Let's get into our sermon today. Um, we're continuing our series about Jesus Christ, the most Christological passage in all of Scripture. And today's message is titled, Jesus Supreme Over Creation. We're going to look at Colossians 1, verses 15 to 17. Let's look at that together. The Word of God reads, The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in Him all things were created, things in heaven, things on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through Him and for Him. He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. Let's pray. Father, we ask, well, we thank You, God, because, you know, You created us, and we're here because of You. And we have this great opportunity, this great privilege, to just worship you and to know you and to love you. And we get to do that with our friends here at church. And we thank you so much, God, for that. We ask that you just make Jesus much more clear to us so that our lives can become a lot more clear in light of him. We thank you so much for all that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, uh, we're starting this series. We're, we're continuing this series on knowing Jesus Christ. And I'm convinced, just like I said last week, that if people just saw Jesus clearly, that they would turn to him, that lives would be absolutely changed and transformed by just who Jesus is. And so, you know, last time from last week, this week and next week, you know, we're, we're going to try to paint this picture of who Jesus Christ is. And I'm convinced that a lot of times people in the church, they caught, they caught glimpses, but maybe they never put it all together. And so I'm hoping in these three weeks we can put it all together so you can get a truly a clear picture of who Christ is. You know, last week we talked about Jesus being the image of God, and he that means that he was the exact representation of who God is, his character, his essence. And he became a man for us to restore our image so that we can actually live as the image of God ourselves and live out everything that we were created and designed to be. So thank Jesus for that. We're in our second week of our third week study of who Jesus Christ is. And the thing is this, can I ask you to do this? Okay. You know, I don't know if you guys do this on a regular basis. Uh, maybe you don't have to, but especially for these three weeks, can you like review what we talk about here on Sundays? I don't prize my sermons that highly. It's not like I want you to totally listen to all these over and over again because they're great. But there are some certain there are certain truths that I'll be sharing with you last week, this week, and next week that are just pretty phenomenal about who Jesus is. And if you don't, you know, listen to the podcast or if you don't re-look at the YouTube, can I start asking you to too, just for these three weeks? Because the more we see Jesus clearly, the more it'll change our lives. The clearer we'll understand the gospel, who he's all about. And if there's anything that anybody in mankind needs more, it's that. So can I just ask you to do that? Right? Oh, Eddie assigned homework. No, it's not homework. <laughs> it's just it's for you. So please do that. It'll only get you closer to God, and that's the whole point. But today, let's get to, the, to today's message. You know, today we're going to see that Jesus Christ is supreme over creation. And what do you think about that title? Jesus Christ, supreme over creation. That's pretty big and lofty, isn't it? That's pretty huge. But um, as big as that might sound, we're going to discover that Jesus being supreme over creation has some very powerful and personal implications for each one of us. And I hope you get excited about that. And that's the point of today. That's the point of next week. If you walk away from these Sunday services and you're just in awe of Jesus, we succeeded, you know? And that's the whole point. I just want you to see him and be like, oh, damn. You know, oh, ah. 
That's it. That's as good as that's as good as it gets. That'd be like the pinnacle. That'd be the supreme. And I really just want and and I think the moment you see him, that's when you'll realize personally what it means for you. And I think that's the point. You don't need me to tell you. But just seeing him, you'll understand. So hopefully that happens. Anyway, let's get to it. Let's start. Let's start with verse 15, and this hopefully will set the tone. It says, uh, Colossians 1.15 says, The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. I know we studied the first part last week, but the second part of this particular uh, verse actually modifies and expands upon the first part of that verse. So it says that the Son is the the image of the invisible God, and He is firstborn over all creation. What does that mean? You know, the word firstborn doesn't necessarily mean first to be born. And, you know, if you read your Bible, Jesus Christ was not the first person to be born. And he wasn't. So what does firstborn mean? Firstborn means first in rank. Okay? First in rank. Therefore, Jesus Christ ranks first over everything that exists. Right? Jesus Christ ranks first and above over all of creation. In other words, Jesus Christ is supreme over all creation. Ergo, the title of the message. Okay, Jesus Christ is supreme over all all creation. And the next two verses, verses 16 and 7, God tells us exactly how he does and why he does. And there are three points that we're going to make here today. He's supreme over creation because he's the creator, he's the goal, and he's also the sustainer of creation, okay? And not not only will we understand who he is, but hopefully what it means for us. All right, number one, he's the creator of all creation. Verse 16 and 17, it says, for in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rules or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things. So verse 16 begins saying what? In him all things were created. All. Right? All things were created. That's like everything that exists was created because of Jesus Christ. So everything that you see, things like the stars at night, the mountains, like the beautiful blue mountains, the ocean, you know, human beings or whatever, you know, any living thing, those were all created by Christ. But even the things that you can't see, things like heaven, right? Things like angels. God created them all. Jesus created them all. And I also want you to look at the beginning of verse 17. What does the beginning of verse 17 says? It says that Christ is before all things. Okay? So Christ is before all things. What is that saying? It's saying that before anything existed, Christ was. Okay? Before there was anything that was created, Christ was. With the Holy Spirit, as well as with God the Father, those three, the Trinity, they existed before anything else did. And here's the point. If there was absolutely nothing, right? If there was absolutely nothing and just void before Christ created thing, created anything, then Christ must have created everything from himself, right? Oh, sorry, sorry. So Christ must have created, well, that's our next point. I, I'm, I'm fast forward. So Christ must have created everything from nothing. Okay, that's the point I was trying to make. Sorry. So if there was nothing before Christ you know, created it, then Christ must have created all this that we see and don't see from 
nothing. And that's absolutely ridiculous, don't you think? Okay, it is. I'm here to tell you that it is. I mean, who can do that? You know, does anyone write music here? Can you imagine writing a song, you know, or writing any type of music? It's, you can because someone already gave you the notes. Someone already created time signatures. Can you imagine writing and creating rhythm and tones that didn't exist yesterday? No, that's so difficult. If anyone writes, can you imagine writing a book? But we can write a book because someone gave us words. Someone gave us language, right? Can you imagine if there was no such thing as communication of any kind, creating that out of nothing? No, it's very difficult. Even people who might do things like art. You know, we've been given things like light, colors. Uh, we've been given tools to create art. But Jesus created everything from nothing, right? And that's ridiculous. You know, I went to someone's house the other day, and, uh, and you know, this household was pretty well off. And, you know, they were really into Legos. Are you guys into Legos? You know, adults into Legos. There's adult Legos. Did you guys know that? It's, like, so expensive. But there, there was this one Lego that was, like, I think it was, like, the, you know, the Tower Bridge in London or something. Like that. And it took, like, two, it was two meters huge. It's ridiculous. I said, oh, wow. I think it took him like months to make this. And it was absolutely beautiful. It was absolutely amazing. And this guy was so proud, which he should be. And it cost like hundreds of dollars, which it should because it's absolutely spectacular. But did he make that out of nothing? No. Someone made Lego pieces for him to put together so he could make something so beautiful. But mountains, oceans, things like that were made from nothing. Who can do that? Only Jesus Christ. No one can create something out of nothing. Not even nature can create something out of nothing. Sorry, Big Bang Theory people, if there are any in this trip, right? If you're offended, come talk to me. But no, we can't. But Jesus Christ created all things from nothing. And because our God is not a God of chaos, but he's a God of order, what does that mean? When you look at the mountains, when you look at the ocean, when you look at the stars, and you realize, and if any of you study science, and you realize how perfect some of these bond angles are, or some of these orbital things, you know, what does that mean that God created all this stuff from nothing? It means that he sat there and he designed all of these things before he created them. Not only did he design them, but he designed how they were all going to interact and work together. You know, that's absolutely amazing. It means that every created thing, from the galaxies down to each like microbe, each atom, has the imprint of Christ upon it. Right? And if that isn't amazing enough, Jesus then actually created those things out of nothing. How do you do that? Right? Which means that he personally formed and he personally created each one of these things out of himself. I don't even know what that means, but that's the truth. Right? He personally formed and he created each one of these things out of himself. And if that's not crazy enough, here's the greatest part of it all. Not only did he design it, not only did it form it, not only did he create it, but then he chose to give it life. How do you give something life? You know? But yet he chose to give it life. You know, I only know how to put batteries inside of a toy and make it run. That's as good as I get. But he, Jesus Christ made human beings not only come alive, but have a soul, you know, and that's absolutely bonkers. You know, when I was in school, I actually studied the human body very extensively, okay? I did. 
And I, un and I understand, I really do, how babies are made, okay? Not just the sex part, but I understand the science behind all, you know, how babies are, are made. And, but the thing is this, no matter how much you understand the process of mitosis and re the reproductive system and all that kind of stuff, the moment you hold your baby for the first time, you don't think about any of that stuff. The, whole, the moment you hold your baby for the first time, you just realize how much life is a miracle. You know, there are mothers and fathers all around the world alike. They weep the moment they hold their baby for the first time. And it's not because of the moment of the occasion, but it's because of the miracle of the occasion. If there's anything that gets you close to God, it is that, mo that first moment where you hold your baby for the first time because you know that life is a miracle. It doesn't matter what the science says. The fact that you have this living being that has not only the breath of God in it, but a soul. It's absolutely ridiculous. You know, every life is a miracle. You know what that means if every life is a miracle? It means you are a miracle. You are a miracle of God, right? And you exist because God, or Christ, decided to give you life. He's the one that formed you and created you and, and breathed life into you, right? The prophet Jeremiah says that all of us were fearfully and wonderfully created by God. You know, when was the last time an Asian older person told you that you were wonderful, right? Exactly. You know, but God does every single day. You are fearfully and wonderfully created by God himself. And because each one of us possesses the intelligent design and the imprint of our creator, each one of us possesses his divine dignity, regardless of race, regardless of age, regardless of status, right? And because Christ himself breathed life into us personally, that means each one of us possesses a divine purpose. Right? Each one of us possesses an eternal reason for our existence, which we'll discover in our next point. You know, every, everything in the universe not only possesses the intelligent design of our creator, but everything in the universe exists, lives, and functions because of our creator. Therefore, nothing was made by accident. Right? Planets were not made by accident. Right? Mountains, trees, oceans were not made by accident. Unfortunately, cockroaches were not made by accident. You were not made by accident. Your parents may have made you by accident, but God didn't make you by accident. Okay, God did not make you by accident. You were fearfully, wonderfully, and personally made by our Creator Himself. And because you were created by the Eternal all of you have an eternal purpose. And that purpose is found in our next point. Number two, he's the goal of creation. He isn't just, he isn't just the creator. He's the goal of creation. Uh, chapter, uh, verse, verse 16, For in him all things were created, things in heaven, things on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rules or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. This verse says three things, that God created us in him, through him, and for him. We already talked about the through him, right, that God created us, he formed and created us. So let's look at, let's look closer at the words in him and for him. You know, when it says that for in him all things were created, in doesn't mean inside, 
you know, things weren't created inside of Jesus. But what it's saying is that, but this, this Greek word uh, translates as things were created in reference to Christ. Isn't that totally amazing? Isn't that totally different? Things were created in reference to Christ. To refer means to point people to or to direct, to direct others towards. So what's it saying? It's saying that all things were created to point to Jesus. All things were created to direct other people to Jesus. Isn't that amazing? This is the purpose of creation. This is the reason why everything in the world was created. It doesn't matter if it's the galaxy, the stars, the atoms. It doesn't matter. The reason why everything was created was to point to Jesus and to point others to Jesus. Did you guys know this? That's what this verse is saying. It's absolutely amazing. So, But why is that? Why did Christ create all things to point to him? And the answer is found in the last part. Because everything was created for him. Christ created all things for himself, meaning that he created all things for his glory. There are so many, there are so many verses in the Bible. I chose three to share with you today because I think they're extremely clear that God created all things for his glory. Let's look at these together. Psalm 19.1, it says, The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Whoa, heavens, skies, I thought they just existed. No, they don't just exist. They exist to declare. They exist to proclaim. They exist to proclaim how amazing God is. Psalm 156, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Right? I thought that was just a really good song that we sing on Sundays. No, but what is it saying? Who gave us breath? Jesus Christ did. Right? And why did he give us breath? So that we could praise the Lord. That's the reason why we have life. Isaiah 43, 7. And this is God talking here. It says, Everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for, what? My glory, whom I, what? Formed and made. God created all of us for his glory. Right? And why did Christ create all things to point to him and to point others to him? For his glory. Now, you know, if this is your first time here at church, or if you're a young Christian, um, or you're, you're not familiar much with Christianity, all of a sudden to find out that the Almighty God created all of us simply so that he can give glory to himself sounds a bit what? Egotistical, doesn't it? Oh, wow, God's a little bit full of himself, right? But he's not. Um, and what I'm about to say might be a little bit offensive, but it's the truth. God's not egotistical. The reason why we object to that is because we are. Okay, and I'll explain all that in a second. You know, but I want you to think about this for a moment. He's the almighty creator, right? He created all the universes. He created everything from like galaxies and, and all that stuff, all the way down to these, you know, atomic level things. You know, and if he created all these things, and if he gave all this stuff life, then I think he has the right to create anything he wants and to want to do with whatever he wants to do with it. You know, I think he has the right to determine what the purpose of those things are. So, the real question then is, if we know who he is clearly, who are we? Right? And I think that's the real question we need to answer. And the, this is what the Bible says. The Bible says that we were created in his image. We talked about that last week, right? Uh, Image also means icons. And here we go. Just like the icons of the apps on your phone tell you, teach you, show you, preview to you exactly what that application does on your phone, so were we as the icons of God 
created to show people and to tell people exactly who God is. That's it. It's that simple. We were created, we're almost like windows, right? When people, should, when people look at us, they should see right through us and see God. We should be the preview to who God's all about. That's what we were created for. That's our purpose, right? And that's the reason why we exist. We, we were created. We were created to point people to Christ. And the way we are to do that is simply by worshiping Him, you know, in our daily moment-by-moment, um, through our daily moment-by-moment worship of Christ. That's how we give glory to Christ in all that we do and live out our purpose. And here is where I'm going to get a little bit more offensive. I debated like forever whether I should share this or not. I'm just going to go for it, and I hope it's necessary to say. If not, just you can delete this part. But I think I'm just, I, want to, I want to share about one big thing that's going on within our culture today in the Western church that this is Eddie Bang's opinion, but I have a little objection to. So I think we need to hear it. Um, you know, we talk about the purpose of, of Christians a lot in church, don't we? Oh, the purpose of your life is to glorify God. The purpose of your life is to live for his glory. We've heard that 10 million times in the church. And, you know, everyone understands it, but I don't know if everyone, everyone really gets it. Okay? And this is what I mean by that. Um, I don't know when this happened. And I don't know when the, the modern Western church became okay with this. But this is what happened. Um, we, just, we, just, we just talked about the purpose of Christ, why Christ designed us, what intentions he had in mind when he created us, and what our purpose is in existence, right? Which is what? To point people to Christ and to point others to Christ to live for his glory. It's that simple, right? That's it. We've heard that 10 million times. But when did this happen in the church? That that clearly stated purpose all of a sudden became, got replaced by the pursuit of a career. You know what I'm saying? When people ask me, hey, what does God want me to do with my life? I'm like, oh, it's her. Just point people to Jesus. You know, live holy and, and you know, please him and worship him in all that you do. No, 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 Eddie. That's not what I mean. What does God want me to become? I say, oh, that's not that important. Oh, you're a terrible pastor. No, but, and I just say it that way simply, you know, because I want to point that out. We've replaced the actual purpose of creation. And we've kind of like sold that out for the pursuit of a career. Are there any Bible verses that tell you that you're supposed to pursue a career? You'll never find one. Do you think when you get up to heaven and God judges you for your life, he'll be like, oh, why did you become an accountant instead of a street cleaner? No. You'll never hear anything like that. It's not in Scripture. Does God care about what I become? Of course he does. But all those things, you know, your, your, don't, don't get me wrong. Your career is important. Education is important. Your job is important. Support your family, okay? All important. But all those things are a far second compared to the primary goal. The primary reason why God gave you life. The primary reason why he formed, created you, breathed life into you. And that was so that what? We could give him glory by pointing people to Jesus, by pointing others to Jesus, by living a life that shows that that is a window to God, to this world. This is what we need to wake up every single day and be praying about. This is what we need to wake up every single day being thankful for and wanting to become with our lives. Yes, your job is important. Yes, your education is important. All things, all those things are important, but they're far second to the primary reason why God created you and gave you life, which was to live for his glory so that you could point other people to Christ. Do you guys understand this? Right? Was that really offensive? Was that really difficult? 
to hear. The thing is this, I'm convinced who you are and how genuinely you point people to Jesus is of the utmost importance to God, of the utmost importance to God. Let everything else in your life be a far second, okay? That's all I'm trying to say. Um, the Bible says very clearly that the purpose of life is to glorify God, to glorify Christ moment by moment through your intentional worship of him, no matter what you're doing, okay? And that's hopefully that's the main focus. That should be the main focus of every Christian's life. You know, so whatever God has in store for you today, whoever God wants you to meet, and maybe there's people that you want to meet today, that's great. Focus on, focus on worshiping Christ and becoming a window to who God is through all those interactions, through all those little tasks that you need to do that day. And as you do, God, who sees you and who sees your heart and who sees your intention, who sees your desire to worship it, as he sees you, he will entrust you with more. Maybe it's education. Maybe it'll be a job and a career. Maybe it'll be a spouse. I don't know. But what I do know is when he does entrust you, you are to take those things and then use those as his tools so that other people, so you can glorify him more and so that other people can see God more clearly through those things. That's why God gives us jobs, careers, education, spouses, kids. Do you see? Do you understand? It's so that people can see God more clearly through that. So can you imagine how different church could be if people lived with that kind of mentality and that kind of philosophy and perspective? If Christians really functioned in that way, actually cared more about pleasing God rather than like, you know, where my job path is headed. You know, that's important. Don't get me wrong. That's important. That's important. It really is. But it's a far second to what really is important, right? What's eternally important. To be created in him and through him and for him not only means all things. So this is what it means. To be created in him and through him and for him not only means that all things were created to give him glory, but, here we go, all of creation only discovers its true identity and purpose of existence when it chooses to glorify Christ alone. Okay, that's it. What is that teaching us? It's teaching us that Jesus is the goal of creation. Jesus is the goal of creation. You and I only tap into and function according to our design when we give God all that we have and use everything that we've been given for his glory. That's it. He is our goal. Is that a bit heavy? I hope it was good. I hope it was helpful more than anything else. You know, um, Let me end this second point with the gospel. Do you guys know what the Bible costs people? Do you know what word the Bible uses to call people who don't function according to this foundational design of God. The word that the Bible uses for those people is lost. Right? A lot of times we, when we think of the word lost, we think, oh, it's non-Christians. Lost people are the people that God hasn't saved yet. But if you really look in the Bible, lost a lot of times refers to Christians who just lost their way. You know, people who are not functioning according to the design, the divine design. You know? That's why Jesus Christ will leave the 99 to go after that one who's just not functioning right. He's just going off center, you know? It, that's all it is. And so, 
you know, the question I want you to ask is how many people do you know that may not be functioning according to the divine design? Some? Maybe it's you. Here's the good news. Luke 19.10. So for the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Right? The reason why the creator of the universe in all of his fullness of the deity and the fullness of God decided to become a man was so that he could seek out those who were lost and save them and to bring them back. Right? God, what is that saying to us? It's saying God wants you and he's pursuing you. You know? And it's not just so that you could have eternal life, but it's so that you could live out your divine purpose and finally operate according to your eternal design. He values you that highly, so highly, that he sacrificed his one and only son so that you could live out your fundamental purpose in existence. Do you guys get that? It's huge. Because that's what you were made for. Christ is the goal of all things. Number three, he's the sustainer. Of all creation, Colossians 1.17 says, He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. So we already talked about the first part. Um, he's before all things. Everything comes out of Jesus. You know, He created things out of nothing. So let's look at that second part a little bit more, which says that in Him all things hold together. And this is talking about Christ's present function in the world today. He's the one actually holding everything together. He's the one that holds the planets in orbit. He's the one that keeps gravity working. He's the one that keeps our, our hearts pumping, right? Who's the one that does that? Oh, God does that. You know what I'm saying? He's the one that keeps the electrons in their orbitals. You know, you science geeks, whatever. I know quantum phys you know, physics kind of like blasted all that. I know, I know. Don't, don't write me an email, you know, but, you know. But the thing is, they don't know. No scientists know how electrons stay in there, but I do. Jesus keeps them there. It's true, though, right? Hebrew, Hebrews 1.3, it's, it's right here. Hebrews 1.3, it says, The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation, representation of the image of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. Christ keeps his word, right? Christ, through his word, sustains all things. But as great as that might be, what's even greater is the reason why he does, which is back in verse 15. We're going back to verse 15. It says what? The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. And what this verse is telling us is that Jesus is supreme over all creation as the representation of God, which means that he rules over all of creation, over every living being, so that he can extend the character and the essence of God into it. Okay, I know there's a lot of words. But the reason why he's the image of God first one over creation, is, because, is so that he can extend God's character and essence into every part of creation. What does that mean for you and me? It means something very, very simple. The reason why you are still living and breathing, the reason why God woke you up this morning and actually gave you a life to live is because he created you to experience all that God is. If Christ came in the fullness and he became a man in the fullness and we are to be the image of God, then, and if God gives us and sustains us, if Christ is the sustainer of all things and his purpose is to extend the character and essence of God into all creation, then the reason why we still have life today is because Christ is not done with us. Because God wants you to experience the fullness of who he is through Christ in your life today. Do you guys, do you guys, do you guys believe that? You have to. 
This is the reason why you still have life and breath, because God wants to extend himself into you through Christ. What does that mean practically? It means something very, very simple. If you're sinning, he wants you to experience the complete forgiveness that God offers. Right? If you're broken and hurt, God wants you to experience the fullness of being healed by his healing touch. Right? If you're consumed with worry, he wants you to understand what it means to be connected to the Almighty and understand eternal peace. And just like we said in the previous point, if you're lost, he wants you to know how amazing it is to be found by God himself and to operate in this fundamental eternal design. All right? You were created and you are sustained so that Christ can extend all of who God is into you. Some of you here know exactly how amazing that is and you guys are functioning in that and you're loving it, you're growing in it, awesome, continue to do so, dig deeper, it's awesome. You guys know it. Some of you here may not be experiencing that and may not be a part of that. Um, if you want to know how, the only way this text says is through Jesus Christ. you got to know him, right? So today I hope you make the choice to give yourself completely to Christ today. This is the reason why he gave you life and breath. Christ is supreme over creation because he's the creator, he's the goal, and he's the sustainer of creation. Um, to end, I know I threw a lot of like biblical stuff at you, a lot of theological stuff at you, but I'm going to throw a little bit more at you because I discovered something about this particular passage that absolutely blew me away. And maybe it's my little geeky Bibleness about it that 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 is so overwhelmed, but I hope you get, I hope you enjoy it. This passage says that all things were created in him, in him, by him, and for him, right? These verses also say that Christ is the beginning of creation, the goal or the totality of creation, and the firstborn of creation, okay? Three, three threes, or two threes, okay? And here's what's cool. This passage is actually a direct reference to the first phrase of Scripture. Do you guys know the first three words of the Bible? What are they? In the beginning. Here we go. If you study in Hebrew the word in, the word in in Hebrew has three meanings. Do you know what they are? In, by, and for. If you study the word beginning in Hebrew, it means, where is it? It means beginning, totality, and first fruits. Not firstborn, but first fruits. Pretty close, right? What is it saying? It means that since the beginning, everything was about Jesus Christ. That's it. Christ is the beginning. And we learned today that all of creation not only points to Christ, but is for Christ and therefore will culminate in Christ. Therefore, Christ is the end. And so Christ is the beginning and Christ is the end. So here we go for you rational thinkers. If Christ is the beginning and everything that was created was created to give him glory so that it all culminates for his glory in the end, so Christ is the end. If he's the beginning, he's the end. What do you think the whole in-between should be about? Christ. Right? That's it. Which means... If you believe that Scripture is the Word of God, 
If you believe that it's the ultimate truth and our ultimate authority, then the only rational decision to make, isn't it, is to give our lives completely to live out His divine design with our lives, to live out His design purpose, and to surrender everything to Christ, and just to live for His glory so that people, so that you can be used to point others to Christ. Isn't that the most rational thing we can do with our lives? It is. Right? I, my prayer is that all of you will give yourself over to Christ's supremacy. Um, because He is supreme over creation. And I hope because of that, you just give yourselves completely to Him and to be used by Him for His glory. Let's pray. Today, let's just do two things. Number one, let's just praise Christ for creating us, for forming us, for sustaining us, for giving us a purpose and a reason to live. Let's just thank Him for that. And secondly, if you're not living according to God's design, let's repent. And let's just make our whole lives about giving Him glory and pointing others to him. Let's pray. highly that you chose to breathe life into us and to give us a divine purpose and a divine reason to live. God, I pray. First of all, we thank you so much for giving us that, for valuing us that highly that we have that. And now that we know it and we can be reminded of it, but God, we need help living it out. God, I know everyone in this room wants to do that. So Lord, help us. Help us throughout this week to live that out, to make you great, to give you glory in all the things that we do. Father, so that in all things that we do, it can bring a smile to your face. God, we want to be used to be windows to this world of how awesome and beautiful you really are. So God, remind us, challenge us so that we might live that out this week faithfully. But most of all, we thank you for Jesus, for becoming the image of God so that we can understand how much you love us and how much you care for us. 
and how much you want us to know you and live for you. Father, we ask that you help us make him great in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray.